gets it everywhere else we go, so I figured you were just following your line. It's a pleasure to be here this week and a chance to work with your children again, already getting to uh, recognize their faces from last year, many of their names, so thank you all for having us again. And of course, I do run around with a couple of smaller dummies, and he does like to pick on the pastor, so let's hope he doesn't cry like he did last year. Just kidding, just kidding. All right, let's see if we can get Rocky out of here. All right, I'm getting older. It takes me longer. You got that right. Exactly, just hang in here a minute ago. Okay, Rocky, we're finally out. We're excited to be here, aren't we excited? Joe, you're always putting words into mine now. I thought that was the whole idea. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. Exactly. Well, I am excited to be here. Man, I'm excited to be here. Well, we finally, you're getting on board. Look at all them girls out there. <laughs> hey, 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 cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. We're at church here. Well, they still look cute at church, too. Well, now, wait a second. I thought you already had a girlfriend back in uh, Tennessee. No, I got rid of her. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean you got rid of her? Well, I did. You told me it was love at first sight. Well, I took a second look, and it wasn't that good. Oh, my goodness, that's a terrible thing to say. Last thing I heard, you told me she was just like an angel, fell straight out of heaven. Yeah, that's the trouble. What? I think she hit smack on her face. Oh, <laughs> Rocky, that's a terrible thing to say. I'm telling you right now, you should... You should be ashamed of yourself, but we are excited to be here. Yeah, and, and I, I got something to give one of the girls. What? Yeah, I got it. And just in case I met somebody special tonight, you got something for a girl here. Yes, I do. It's right there in my trunk. Can you get it? Uh, well, yeah, I guess I can. Be careful. All right, I am. Well, that's lovely. Ain't that gorgeous? Wow, you picked out a nice-looking flower. I love it. I'm going to give it to one of these girls tonight. Oh, it's going to be hard. I don't know how you're going to pick a single girl out of there. Yeah, the, this flower is going to do the trick, and it smells good, too. You want to smell it? Well, yeah, let me smell it. You killed it! Well, I... I didn't mean to kill it. Well, you don't you ever brush your teeth? Well, yes, I do brush my teeth. Well, I don't think you brushed them lately. You killed my flower. Well, I didn't mean to kill it. Well, I can't give that dead thing away. All right, all right. Just keep the tic-tac in your pocket next time. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill your flower. Well, maybe by the end of the week you can have some more flowers or something. Well, I'm not going to let you touch it. Okay. Okay, we got it. But we're, we're excited to be here. We're back at First Baptist Church in Eaton, Ohio. Pastor Stencil? No, that's not Stencil. It's, it's Stensus. Sounds like you don't even know what it is. Well, I'm trying to get it right. I did have it wrong last year, but I finally got it right. I got it right. It's stensus. All right, all right. I'm glad. I, at least you're not calling him what you did last year. What? I heard what you said. You called him a creature. I did not call him a creature. I said he's the preacher. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, but I heard you said he was sinister. I did I did not say he's the minister. 
Oh, well, all right. Say, just stop putting words into my mouth. Yeah, see how it feels? It ain't good, is it? Okay, okay. We're still happy to be here. We're excited to see everybody. We're excited to see Pastor and his lovely wife, Miss Jackie. He, he's married? Well, of course he's married. Haven't you met Miss Jackie before? How did he get her? <laughs> Come on. I'm serious. Well, yeah, she's a lovely lady. Got six kids and been married for a number of years now. My goodness, Miss Jackie, I'll send you a sympathy card next week. <laughs> she doesn't need a sympathy card. Happily married. They've been doing a great job. I tell you, I want you to be nice to the pastor and give him a little respect. I'm giving him as little as I can now. That's the whole problem. He's been doing a fantastic job. We're excited about this building. Haven't you noticed? I thought something looked a little different. Yes, exactly right. They're in this brand new building, working hard, pastoring all the people in here, working and doing such a great job. I tell you, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Pastor Stencil, he's kind of the responsible guy, ain't he? Never mind. Yes, he is. He's a very faithful pastor and very responsible. Just like you said, he's very responsible. Yeah, anything goes wrong and he's going to be responsible for it. Not kind of responsible. Rocky, Rocky, he's been preparing for this moment for years. He has? Yeah. He was a missionary as a kid, grew up, went off to Bible college, got married. Then he's been out of the mission field again. Now they've been here for quite a few years pastoring. He's... I'm telling you, he's been preparing for this moment. He knows a lot about the Bible, and I understand that he's teaching his people the Word of God. I've heard many people, this all kidding aside, already since we've been here, talking about how much they've learned and how he holds the Word of God and knows it and teaches it and preaches it. Are you going to start preaching? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. He's a very knowledgeable guy, and his people are too. Yeah, man, I, I wonder who really knows the most about the Bible out here, huh? You know, you said he's a good teacher and a preacher. Let's just see how much do they really know. I'm going to give you all a little Bible test tonight. Are you ready? What? Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it's not going to take long. Okay, let's just indulge him. What have you got in mind? I'm just going to ask two or three little questions, and let's see who can answer on first, okay? These four the buzzer sounds. The buzzer? Yeah, I'll be in charge of the buzzer. Oh, brother. All right, can you just hurry along? We don't have all night here. Okay, here's the first question. Get ready. At what time of day was Adam created? Eh! Nobody got that. Well, <laughs> Rocky, that's kind of a quick buzzer there. Well, if you know it, you know it. All right, what time of day was Adam created? A little before Eve. Any old, yeah, man, any old dummy knows that. Okay, all right, I get where you're going now. Is that all the questions? No, just a couple more. Okay, we'll just have to go with here. What's the next question? All right, where was Solomon's temple located? Eh, oh, they got a bunch of dummies out there. All right, where was Solomon's temple located? Right on the side of his head, just like your temple is. Uh-huh. Oh, please tell me that's the last question. No, 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 just one more. Okay. One more question. That's it. Okay, I got it. All right, what's the last question? Who was the biggest sinner in the entire Bible? Eh! 
man, nobody knows nothing around here. Okay, give us the answer. Of course it was Moses. He broke all the Ten Commandments at one time. Rocky, come on. That wasn't a very good Bible test. Hey, doesn't the Bible say the instant in season and out? Yes, it does. Oh, be ready to give an answer to any man that asketh of you. That's true. Study to show thyself a truth unto God, a workman that needeth not the ashamed pastor. <laughs> pastor, why are you picking on him? He didn't get any of the answers right. <laughs> Well, nobody got any of the answers. Well, I gave him all the answers before church even started. Now, look, Rocky, he is a very knowledgeable man, no matter what this silly little test shows. So I think that you owe him an apology. Oh, I know he does. I heard him and Ted talking to Lord church, testing about their Bible knowledge. You heard him and Ted talking? Yeah, I heard Pastor say, uh, Brother Ted, can you even quote the Lord's prayer? And Ted said, of course I can. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And Pastor looked at him and said, wow, I didn't know you really knew it. I tell you, he, he, he thought that's what it was. I can see that. Are you just going to keep on carrying on or are you going to say something nice to the pastor? Right now? Right now. I'm drawing the blank here. Rocky, I want you to say something nice. Oh, he, he does look like a million dollars. Okay, that's a good start. You, you've never even seen a million dollars. I know he looks like something I ain't never seen before. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Say goodbye, or you can stay out here and hear the preaching. Who's going to be preaching, Ted is? Put me in my suitcase. Hurry up. Hope I can find my earplugs. All right, get in that suitcase. Be quiet. Hold it down. Somehow I feel much maligned. Do you, how do you feel, Pastor? Tell you what. Yep, here we are. I brought a prop. Uh, there's two different kinds of people in the world. There are some people, like myself, I don't want to talk to nobody in the morning until I've had me a couple of cups of coffee. I hear that amen. Let's hear it again. I mean, some of you kids ain't going to need me drinking coffee. And, and I'm telling you, I don't want nobody talking to me unless I've had my coffee in the morning. There are another kind of people in the world. They're the people that wake up with a smile on their face to greet the day. And they will say, good morning. And they expect a response. And those two kinds of people are usually married to each other. Can I have an amen on that? I want you to take your Bible and turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Pastor said I can preach as long as I want, but around 7.05, y'all are leaving. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be here. I am one of those morning people that has to have the coffee first. And uh, 
men, you got to learn your wife. It's a lifetime study. So I've learned that she's going to say good morning, and I'm going to have to do something, grunt, grumble, something. You're just going to have to do it. Uh, That's just the way it is. Something happened a while back, and uh, it's been about, I guess, a year and a half ago, and I really haven't gotten over it that happened one morning in my house. And it is something that happened, and I don't think I ever want to get over it. So I'm going to tell you what happened, and then we're going to get into the message. Uh, I have been having some health difficulties. I know you young people don't understand this, but when you start to get be my age, everything just falls apart. This falling apart. I was having all kinds of troubles and health problems, serious stuff. And uh, uh, I, we'd already gone through some struggles with, with my health and some things like that. And, man, I'm, I'm just in bad shape. Um, uh, arrhythmias are coming back, the, you know, and it's just, it's just bad. I wasn't feeling good. I couldn't sleep well. And one morning I overslept. I usually get up early in the morning, and my wife had beat me up, and she had already started, well, she, she just beat me up out of bed in the morning, not in the bed. <clears throat> but anyway, she had gotten up before me, let her rephrase that. And then she, she, she does her devotions different than I do. She's over there at the kitchen table usually when she's doing hers. And I've now migrated to the kitchen table across her. <clears throat> and she does her devotions different than I do. You know, she's got all these word studies going on. She's, she's copying scripture. She's looking at commentaries. Lord help her, she's reading Tozer, and it's just ruining my life. And that's just the way it is. I'm doing mine my way. Uh, but over time, and let me encourage some of you guys that are married and you've not been married a long time, after you get married a long time, things change in your life, and you really... There's certain freedoms and certain joys that come to that. And so when we're doing our devotions, she might say, ooh, look what I found. And it's totally different than what I'm studying. I'm doing my devotions. I can do the same thing, and we're just fine with it. And so that morning, she had done her devotions, and I did not come to the table and get my Bible out and start. I went to my chair and my recliner, and I mean, I just plopped down, Lord, I'm not going to make it today. And I was really having doubts about whether or not my ministry and everything was going to come to an end because of my, I mean, I was just down. And uh, I hate to uh, talk about people, but I found out that you have a man in this church and he is a pessimist. And he's married to an optimist. He said so today in the teen class. And I know that feeling. You're thinking the worst. I'm thinking, really, I'm serious. I was down. I was really down. And my wife came out of the kitchen And she looked at me, and she had that smile on her face like the cat that had just ate the canary. And she had a smile, and usually she knows not to disturb me until I've had my coffee. I said, you found something today, didn't you? I don't know why I said that, except for I believe the Lord was speaking to me, because sometimes, men, this is hard for me to say, hard for you to take. But sometimes the Lord will give your wife something that you need. And that morning in her Bible study, God had given her something from John chapter 4. I had never heard it before, and I knew she had something. I said, so you have something this morning. You found something. Smiling like that cat again? Yes, I have. And let me tell you. 
And so in John chapter 4, she started reading. And the Bible says there in John chapter 4, verse 2, and if you're there, John chapter 4, verse 2. Let's skip down wrong. Let's go to 4. The Bible says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And she started reading verse 6, and she said, Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and grinned. And I thought to myself, I don't know where she's going with this, but she is talking to somebody that's preached all kinds of messages from John chapter 4. The Gospel of John is my favorite of the Gospels. I can tell you more about this story, about the cultural background, the geography of it. I can tell you anything that you want to know about this story. What has this woman got that I don't know already? I mean, in fact, I know that Sychar, where Jacob's well is, is a city of like old Shechem. I know that when you get to Sychar, there's a well there. It's Jacob's well. But I also know it is a fork in the road. And I know that if you go to this side, it's Mount Gerizim. If this side, is Mount Ebal. And right there at that fork in the road, that's where Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, said that when you get to the land, I want half of you to get on this mountain, half of you to get over on this side. This is going to be the mountain of blessings where Gerizim is. This is the mountain of cursings where Ebal is. And you're going to say them back and forth to each other. And I know all of that stuff. What in the world does this woman know that I don't know? What did God give her today that I don't know? I preach from this. I preach messages about Jesus and and the field, the fruit, and the farmer. I mean, I've got it down. And I I pull in illustrations that I've got from when I picked cotton on my granddaddy's farm. There's a lot of stuff that's in this chapter. I know these things. I know the cultural difference between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. I know why they avoided this like the plague. I know that they went into captivity during the Assyrians and the ten northern tribes were taken captive. I know that the people that were left there, when they brought others in, they mixed them and they were interracial. And I tell you what, the Jews just hated them. They couldn't stand them. Moreover, from all of that, I knew the significance of the difference between men and women back then. Did you know a Pharisee would not even talk to his wife in public? And yet Jesus is addressing this woman. I'm going to tell you, I know a lot about John chapter 4. Then she grinned, and she read it again, and she said, she got down there to verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there and grinned. Like I'm stupid and I don't get this. It's the second time, and no, I didn't get it. I'm being honest with you folks. I was at a low point in my life. And there's times in this life you're going to get down and you're going to have problems and you're going to have troubles. And young people, it may be hard for you to understand, but you're going to have them too one day. And then she looked at me and said it the third time. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was wearied with his journey and sat thus on the well. And then it hit me. There's a double meaning there. It's just like in Genesis chapter 22 when Isaac is 
taken by his father Abraham up on the mountain and was going to be sacrificed. And Abraham's son Isaac said to him, Father, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Now, Pastor and I, we learned this stuff probably before Bible college for him. I learned it when I was in Bible college. That when Abraham said that, he knew this, that God would provide a sacrifice for himself. But the double meaning was that God was going to provide himself as that sacrifice. That's when it dawned on me what my wife was trying to tell me. Now, Jacob's well was there. And it hit me. We're not talking about that physical well that he was sitting on. The scripture is talking about Jacob's real well. And it was Jesus Christ himself. I remember the time when I first tasted the waters from that well. And it was the waters of salvation. But I had neglected something that's a biblical principle that you need to get and apply to your life if you don't get anything else from this. Because if you're not in a trouble or a trial or a desperate time now, you will be one day. If you're a born-again child of God, that well is deep. And you can go back to that well. And that well... Jacob's well. That morning was not a stone well in the city of Sychar at the fork in the road. That well was my Lord and he was in my living room. And let me tell y'all something. This church right here, right now, right here, Jacob's well can be here. If you need a drink of that water, Jacob's well is still here. I want to say some things about it real quick because my wife keeps telling me it's better for you to be brief than to be good. (laughs) The Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. I have this written in the margin of my Bible. There is nothing better than going through Samaria. When you went back to Uganda, you went through Samaria. Believe it or not, when you came to Eaton, Ohio, you went to Samaria. Samaria is a place where you have a divine appointment that God has sent your way with someone in need of salvation. In John chapter 3, Jesus meets with the righteous man in the middle of the night. In John chapter 4, he's meeting with the wicked, unrighteous woman in the middle of day at noon. In both instances, Jesus was keeping a divine appointment. When Nicodemus went to Jesus by night, he didn't have to knock on the door. He hadn't aroused him out of sleep. Jesus was waiting on him because it was a divine appointment. This day, Jesus was right on time and waiting on that woman, when she came to the well. It was a divine appointment. When the Lord found me and my family, we were lost 
living on Oxmoor Drive off a three-notch road in Mobile, Alabama. We were not seeking the Lord, but he had a divine appointment, and he came and he found us. Look for that place where God says you must needs go through Samaria. Once you're a born-again child of God, you start needing to be getting aware of divine appointments in your life. Geographically speaking, it's about 30 miles north of Jerusalem where he had just met Nicodemus. It's at the fork of the road, as I said, between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. It is old Shechem. Culturally, the Samaritan women did not like this woman because she was an outcast because of her actions and her sinful behavior. And she'd been married several times and living with a man. And that's why she went at noon instead of in the morning. The women would go to the well in the morning so that they can catch up on the local gossip and it was cooler part of the day. I also have done some research and I found out, and uh, you can find anything on YouTube. The well is 151 feet deep down to the water table carved out of rock. Now, the time of this meeting with the woman was after the moral man Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It was perhaps one, maybe two days later after that. But there are two wells in this story. And there is the well that we're looking at here. And there's a biblical case for what I'm saying, you're saying, Brother Mark, I never found that in the commentaries. And um, you say a well is an inanimate object. Yes, that's true. But uh, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, Moses was told to take his rod and strike the rock. If you go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, Paul writes, and that rock was Christ. That was Christ. That was an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, in the conversation, though, that goes on between Christ, I'm going to make my case here. The woman thought that Christ was talking about the well he was sitting on, but he was talking about a different well, the source of living water. And you can see that. And it says, There cometh a woman, verse 7, of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, which was startling that he would even speak to this woman. For his disciples were gone away, verse 8, unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. She's there to draw water of a well. I'll give you a drink. You've got nothing to draw with. Yeah, but if you knew who was asking you, you'd be asking me of this water. The woman said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh, of this water, pointing to the well he was sitting in, whoever drinketh of this water 
shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give unto him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give unto him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This well, you're going to thirst again. This well is living water. Do you understand what I'm saying? There were two wells. Jesus was sitting on that physical well of Jacob's. But he was the real well that Jacob drew from, our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, let me tell you something. Jesus is the supply of our living water. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm tired of these people that think that you've got to work your way into heaven, that you can lose your salvation if you mess up. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, I give unto you eternal life. And he said, this is a well of living water. And it will spring up forever. That's what Jesus gives. You can make all of your theological arguments, won't, but you can't get around eternal life. He does not give temporary life. He doesn't give water where you thirst again. He gives you living water. There's a lot I need to get into. But at 649, I'm fixing to finish up with this. She said in verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? If you were to go to John chapter 8 and verse 53... They accused him in verse 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Ooh, back onto that racial problem with Samaritans. That cultural problem with Samaritans. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 51, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, verse 2, 52, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? The woman said to him, Are you greater than our father Jacob? The Jewish people of his day, the Pharisees said, Are you greater than our father Abraham? Are you greater than our prophets? Let me say, Yes. I'm greater than Jacob. I'm greater than Abraham. I'm greater than the prophets. I was there before they were. I am the great I am. There's nobody else beside me. You ask, who am I making myself? I'm telling you who I'm making myself. I'm making myself God. Because my God is greater than Jacob. And he's greater than Abraham. And he's greater than the prophets. You know what else he's greater than? He's greater than my problems. And he's greater than my sin. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you something. He's great. You need him. You need the living water. You need to take a drink right now. 
but he's also greater than my problems. Young people, we live in a world that teaches you to be all you can be. You are great. You're amazing. You're awesome. Every little scrap of paper you bring home from school, your grandparents put up on the refrigerator if your parents don't get it. And uh, you got this. And, and you can do anything. And you need to be whatever you think you need to be. But God is greater. And he knows what's best for you more than you do. He knows what's best for you better than your parents or your grandparents that are puffing you up with all this stuff. Because the truth is, without Christ, we are nothing. And with Christ, we can be everything, anything, as long as we allow him to be our well and shape us into who we want. The discussion deteriorates in this and he says, well, she tries to change the subject and Jesus confronts her sin and Jesus will confront your sin too. And she tries to keep changing the subject and talks about where they should worship. Our father says out Mount Gerson. Some scholars say that Jeremiah maybe hid the Ark of the Covenant on Mount Gerson someplace in one of the caves. Who knows? Where, that's where we're supposed to worship. And you say it's in Jerusalem. And Jesus said something, woman, there's going to come a time you don't worship in any one of those places. And is now, he said, you worship me in spirit. You worship God. You've got to worship in spirit and in truth. You're not going to find any truth, young people, besides that book that you're holding in your lap. That's constant truth. That is absolute truth. That's where you find your truth. And God's spirit will lead you into that. She said, but we know that when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus would go on and say, I'm speaking to you, lady. I am he. And she leaves her water pot, goes back into town, and tells the men of that city, come see a man that told me everything. All things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? You've got questions in your life. You need answers. You don't know what God wants you to do, where you fit in the scheme of things. You're dealing with problems of maybe loss. Maybe you've got health problems. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you're going through things where you've got broken relationships where people that stood at an altar maybe and promised they'd do certain things did not do it. And I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on. Sometimes kids are ridiculed and abused by people that they love. It's a sad thing that we see in this world today. Sin is abounding and young people are confused and they don't know what they are, who they are. That's from the devil. But I know the well, and the well will answer all of your questions. The well is deep. I've been saved many years. I've been saved for now on 60 years. Think of that. Think about that. That well is 151 feet deep. 
Well, I'm talking about, Pastor, I've never found the bottom yet. Well is deep. The well is deep. You got a big project going on here. You're trying your best to get a facility where you can use it to win souls to Christ and build a church. You people are bound together and you're helping in that project and doing what there's debt. I tell you what, the well is deep. If he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he's got a few hundred thousand dollars. Y'all have got it. It's just the problem of him getting it from you. Yeah, y'all laugh. I guarantee you. You've got problems in your life. You've got struggles with relationships. He can tell you all things you ever did, and that well's deep enough to take care of any problem that you've got. Best news is this. If you're lost and you're thirsty, I can tell you where you can get a drink. And it's a drink you can take and never thirst again. It is eternal life that's found only in that well because he is greater Six fifty-seven. We're doing good. Let's stand to our feet, bow our heads. What I'm going to do is have a word of prayer and turn this back over to Pastor. We're here this week, I know, to work with your children. But let me, parents, listen closely to what I'm saying. We are living in such perilous times. Your children are at risk because of this present world we live in. This church is going to face perilous times because whenever an effectual door to, is open for the gospel, there will be an adversary and it's Satan. You need to stay close to that well. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Turn this over to Pastor. Father, we thank you for our time that we've had together, the patience of these folks to listen. And Lord, I thank you that day in my living room, I was able to draw from that well again, and that well is deep. Lord, there's not a person here that has a problem, has a question, needs an answer, is lost, that cannot go to that well and get what they need. And Lord, I know you can do it today, right now. Before I finish this prayer, should anyone say pray for me, Brother Mock, because I've never tasted of that water. Anyone? Real quick, real quick. I just want to know who to pray for if I can. Let me ask you this question. Is anybody here say, pray for me, Brother Mark, because I need to go that well again. I'm a believer, but I've got some problems, and I need to go to that well. Anyone like that? Anyone? I see a few hands. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Father, I pray that you'd help tonight. Help us to understand that you love us, and you have everything that we need, every answer that we crave to know. In Jesus' name I pray. Pastor, why don't you finish up?